another edition of the Behind the You podcast. And uh, we got a familiar face, uh, a name that everybody knows. Although I just found out a little, little, little pre-recording chit-chat that uh, although I consider him Mr. a man from the, the 305 Dade County zone, he, he left us. He left <laughs> us. But uh, I want to introduce Ja'Cory Harris. Ja'Cory Harris, a pleasure. Welcome. Thanks for doing this. Man, appreciate it, man. I know, I know I've been uh I've been a hard person to get in contact and, and, and chase around, but I'm happy to be here. Uh, well, so I, I took lessons from, from all those coaches that recruited you, man. I never gave up. <laughs> hey, that's, that's a good thing. That's what UM did. <laughs> that's right. I was, per, I'm persistent. I was like, we're going to, cause you know what? You agreed to do this a long time ago. And I was like, yes, he, said, yes. he said, yes. Like, no, I wanted, to, I wanted to do it. And then something happened. And then after that, it was like, I got to fit it back to my schedule again. And then, you know, it was just a lot of things. All right. So you're a firefighter, but yes. as you just revealed to me, you got to tell me about your unique uh, setup and schedule because um, even though people aren't going to see you, uh, they'll hear you. They're not going to see you uh, up against that very nice headrest that you're doing this on. <laughs> that headrest is not located in Miami. So why don't you tell everybody where you are these days? No, I, I'm on the West Coast. I'm out here close to the Naples, a small city called Ava Maria. Um, like I was telling you earlier, I ended up getting used to the slow, the slow paced life of Canada when I was in the city of Hamilton. Um, and I enjoyed it. It's close enough to the city to where I can go out there and enjoy myself if I do want to go. And it's also far enough to where I do have to make a decision to go. So it's, it's you know, I get the best of both worlds moving this far out and so it's not even far no you're right you're just taking 75 over right yeah 75 so tell me about the what time when you got it when you have to come in for a firefighter shift though you got to make that commute so what time are you up um so i have to be there by seven but i'm always uh i try to get to work before uh six o'clock because i like to relieve the guys early just in case they had a long night before you know, and they could go see their, their kids and everything. So I wake up about 4.45. And, uh, you know, as a guy, I get my clothes ready at night. And 4.45, I'm out in the house by 5 o'clock. And it take me, it, if, if I leave at 4.45, it take me an hour, 15 minutes to get to work. So it's uh, it, it doesn't take long. I'm on the north end. Uh, all my stations that I'm currently at, they're located in the Miami Lakes area. So. It's an easy drive, hop right off of 75. There you go. Now, you said you're an early bird, so I asked you. It was funny. You're like, I'm up at like 5 a.m. most days. And I'm like, yeah, sometimes I am too. But then I'm like, what am I going to do? And you said, well, I'm into 2K now. So what are you playing? Uh, what team are you? What team? I have a – so it's, it's – I feel like an old man because now <laughs> – if you're, if you're an old man, I'm older, bro. Yeah, I know. It's crazy. Now in these games, they have all these, uh, I guess this my team where you, you know, you get trading cards and then they give you a team. So they give you players and then you play against other teams to build points and all that stuff. So that's what I play. Uh, so I don't really play with the team. I don't even have, to be honest, I don't even watch basketball too often. So it's just something to do, something to, you know, kill the time, not kill the time, but, you know, just something to do. I got you. Just got into it. <laughs> just got into it. Um, I'm sure you've been asked this before, but, you, you know, enlighten the audience a little bit. So why a firefighter? Well, to me, it was the. So what a lot of people don't know, when I was playing ball um, in Canada in the offseason, I would always come uh, not because I had to anything, but I wanted to build my resume. So I would work jobs during the offseason. And um, I kept doing it. Like I would work at a, I worked at a restoration company called Super Restoration. Um, the guy Danny Vargas, who owns it, uh, he's a ex firefighter from Miami Dade County. So I was able to speak to him about, you know, being a firefighter. I always told, I told him I was something I was always interested in, based on my mom um, having a teacher, uh, a teacher, a friend that was a, a teacher. Her husband was a, he's actually EMS captain. And I met him for the first time. And when I seen him, I say, wait, you're the guy my mom talks about that talk, <laughs> been talking about all these years. And I'm finally meeting you because it's a lot of firefighters. So you, you, you might meet someone and you might never see them again ever in your career. So um, 
it's it's just a it's an easy transition. So it's um you still have the the athletic side of things, you know, putting on all that gear, being able to go in those hot burning fires and sweat for hours on end and and being enough shape to, you know, help rescue somebody or help put out a fire. And then there's also the medical side of things that I was always interested in. When I was in high school, I wanted to be a neurosurgeon. And uh, unfortunately, you know, I started playing football and uh, that changed my course. But um, it gave me the option to do two of the things that I love the most in this world. So it's a, it's a, it was an easy transition for me. So those two things were what? The medical, medical right. side of things, and then just staying athletic. I got you. I yeah. got you. So you said you would do work jobs. What other jobs you do in the off season? I work for a law firm um, or with a super restoration company. Um, what else I was doing? Those were, the, those were the two main ones that I did because I, I did a restoration company two years back to back. So those are the main things that I was doing. Oh, and then I also worked uh, for Parks and Recreation. I actually got uh, a pretty a pretty good job over there. I was the special tax supervisor, which is um, over the landscaping for half of Miami-Dade County. And um, I was I was blessed enough to interview for that position interview well and uh and got that job it was a real nice job if if the firefighter didn't work out that would have been something i would have did so what did that what did that entail uh hey it, until i was a supervisor over landscaping crews i had four uh crews located from kendall all the way to homestead they were they took over different districts so uh they would basically do the landscaping the lakes um all of your needs in the public areas, pretty much like the swells and the main roadways. Uh, we maintain, we beautify, we replanted plants. We, uh, somebody crashed into the wall. Uh, <laughs> I contract out that stuff to get, to get fixed. And, um, you know, it's crazy because you don't notice how some of the, the residents are until you get into those type of positions and you see, People want their lakes, the backyard, their backyard and the lakes to look like a beach. But then they don't understand that when you're doing that, we have to apply chemicals that are actually killing everything that's inside of the uh, inside of the um, inside of the lake. So you don't want to do that. We want to make sure, it's, you know, you still have your natural area of the lake, the natural look and everything. But they do not like that stuff. They hate it. <laughs> they hate it. I used to get cussed out so much. Why does my leg look like this? But it was a cool job. And it was something, it was something new. It was something that I um that I enjoyed. I had a good time there. All right. So what kind of crazy shape do you have to be in to be a firefighter? Oh man. I've had some friends already experience that now, uh, going through the the connect the candidate uh physical ability test. It's um it shocked me. I didn't know you had to be in this type of shape. And uh, and I guess them. You know, going through uh, academy, people people tend to forget that I was a quarterback. I wasn't a receiver. I wasn't a running back, somebody that was in crazy shape already. I was a quarterback. I was, a, you know, sit in the pocket, throw the ball. So coming into academy and thinking that they're going to work us into shape and then your first day is hell day, it kind of, it, it, it got me. And uh, it made me respect the profession. profession. Describe, no, 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 I need a description of hell day. So imagine shaving your head ball. It's it's the it's a military, uh, it's paramilitary. So you go in, you shave your head ball, and then you're thinking that you're gonna go to orientation on your first day, and you walk in, and it's it's a bunch of yelling and fussing, get on the ground, push-ups, duck walks, and all this. And I think we was out there for about six hours straight, just going at it just going at it back and forth, back and forth, running, doing this. It was a bunch of stuff. And I had, and it, it I, I think being a football player, I was prepared mentally for it, but I wasn't prepared fit physically for it. Cause I had went on vacation after I passed the CPAT, I went on vacation and uh, for about three months, just traveling and eating good and doing everything because I didn't think that we were going to be, you know, at it 
so fast. But um, and then also you wake up in the morning, you come to work and you running every day, you're running minimum of five miles to start the day, and then you're in gear for eight hours out of the day. So you gotta be in some shape, like crazy. That's during, that was during training, or that's now you still do that. No, 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 that's during training. During training. During training. So now is we work, you know, every three days. Not running no five miles no more, but your body is so uh, mentally and physically trained on uh, what to do. You you start building muscle memory, so you, it it all becomes uh, second nature to you. But what's like the longest you've been at the scene of something that's been super intense as a firefighter? A like twelve what's hour, the- twelve hour fire on my second day on a on a job. Oh man, <laughs> twelve oh. hours. And I was cramping. So, of course, I'm trying not to, you know, let anybody know, but I'm the rookie. And so we're going back and forth. We're going in, doing this, come out, change bottles, go in, do this. And you're going back and forth and you build that endurance. And But the thing is, it's such, it's such a, a cool, wonderful job because you get to watch the guys. Some guys, you, I ain't, I'm not even going to lie, you might look at some guys and be like, nah, there's no way they could do this. And then they get in there and they just change your opinion on them 110%. And you see some, we are like, I literally work with some of the greatest people in the world. And that like, that's why I really appreciate this job because you get to see how smart these guys are. Um, you get to see um, them in tough situations and pressure situations um, pretty much every day. And uh, it's, um, it's something to be commended because it's uh, a lot of people, I know a lot of people that won't be able to do any of this stuff. I would imagine that, that there's football pressure mm-hmm. and there's life pressure. It's this totally has got to be, this, this, yeah, it's got to be at a whole different level. Yeah, totally different because um, I, I always think about that. At the end of the day, I always knew football was a game. I'm not going to die in playing football. Uh, nobody else is going to die for the most part playing football um but when you're working a profession where your life is in someone else's hands and vice versa and or when you're on the medical call that person's life is in your hands so that's more pressure than anything and and to and to be honest like I said it becomes muscle memory and things that you start to get used to to the point that I never even thought to sit back and look, hey, you're actually saving this person's life. I didn't think that. I didn't think that. It was some of the things you do, you're like, wait, this is just my job. I'm just doing my job. Yeah, I pushed, uh, you know, we pushed this drug or we we did CPR, we did this, we did that. Um, To me, it's just, okay, I was trained to do this that's what I'm doing because based off general appearance and based on how this person uh, is presenting the numbers or everything, this is what I need to do that you forget that you're actually saving someone's life. And then when to see them wake up and to see them start breathing again, that type of stuff is what, is what uh, I, I think make me more excited than football. Have you ever uh, crossed paths with someone whose life you, whose life you have saved? Oh, you talk about afterwards? Yeah, like, so you save someone's oh, life. We, and they- had, we've had people come to the station. We've had Have people you? come to the station afterwards. And what's that and, like? Uh, I'm not going to lie. It was one instance when I was down south. It was um, a, the person's family. I guess he was in the hospital still. But the person's family came to drop off, you know, some food to show their appreciation. And... um when when they when they we got glass doors that we could see through and as they're right there at the door i immediately remembered who the who the young lady was because she had a um shirt on so it was crazy because we was doing cpr and i remember when she she was the daughter i remember when she walked through the house as we were doing everything seeing that you know her dad this had happened to her dad and she had a um shirt on so that type of stuff right there is like, yeah, I just glanced at it, didn't really, you know, notice anything. But when I seen her again, immediately it gave me goosebumps. 
I'm like, wait, I know this is a girl from somewhere. I think this is the girl uh, who came into the house last time. Cause I remember everything for the most part. I remember everything. All right. So let's get into, let's get into some of the, some of the, the good stuff, the, the, the stuff that people are here for, or some, you know, not that they're not here to hear what you're doing, doing now, but no, no, no. It's okay. let, let's, let's dial, let's turn the clock back a little bit. So all eight of you from Miami Northwestern, we know the story. You go to UM. When you guys were, t- if you could take me back to being a senior or that off season or before you became a freshman, how'd you think, it, how'd you guys think it was going to turn out? National championship. <laughs> of course. That's what we all, that's what we thought. That's the only reason we went there together. Um, it was uh, some of the greatest times of my life was at UM. And with those guys, that's why, uh, like I always love and appreciate everything about the U. It was a uh, that was that was that was some good times. But I, that was our mindset. Our mindset was to come in there and win a national championship. Unfortunately, we couldn't get one. But at the end of the day, the experiences that we we got from being at the U, second to none. So I, I don't regret anything. I, I loved every last moment of it. How did it all come to come on? How did it all come together? Who was first? Who was the ringleader? Who took the most convincing? Like, how did, were if they, I'm not mistaken, I was the first one that committed. I remember I committed at when I was at my parents' house. I was watching the Clemson versus Georgia Tech game when Kenny Phillips caught the interception. No, Clemson versus UM. Uh, yes, it was Clemson versus UM. And Kenny Phillips caught uh, like a overtime interception and they won the game and I'm, it was like a replay and I'm watching it and I don't know what came over me but it was like as I'm watching it I'm sitting there I, I got this feeling like yo that's where I want to go I want to go to UM and I immediately called um who was that big coach hurt I called coach hurt and I was like hey coach hurt man I just want to let you know I want to commit he was like wait 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 what what you said? What you, what you said? Hold on, hold on. Put you on speaker. They was in a meeting. And uh, I didn't know there was in a meeting. So it was like in front of everybody, I said it, and I remember everybody cheering and everything. So, I mean, it, those days was good, man. So did you grow up a Kings fan? Like, is that where you wanted to go? How'd that? Ah, man. Spence said he wanted to be a Gator. Dang, should I show this on that? So let me tell you, I did not pay any of I didn't even know what was going on with how great UM was when I was 10 years old and nine years old how great of a team they were I wasn't paying attention to none of that I honestly when it came to sports I wasn't really too involved I I played it I was I was playing you know in little league I was playing like receiver um I was playing linebacker tight end receiver you know just having a good time I never, I never had a favorite NFL team, a favorite college team until, well, at the time, my favorite college team was the Gators. When they had Rex Grossman, Fred T, Jaquez Green was my favorite player. Um, you know, when they had them guys. So now I'm watching them play against, with, with Chris Leak and Rex Grossman and all those guys playing against Tennessee and all that stuff. So that's what I used to be watching. But, and I never knew anything about UM was that good until I seen, I think the the game against Ohio State with uh, when Willis McGahee got hurt and in the pass interference call. So though that was when I started paying attention to UM, but I still didn't um, fully like was a UM fan until I would say until like I got in high school. So that's when I became a UN fan. Before that, I was a, I was a I was a Gator I was a Gator fan. Cause I, it's it's only because I really didn't pay attention to football. Like I wasn't I was into you know medical stuff. <laughs> really? Like how hard? Like how big into like what? Like you were big big into medical? Yeah, when I was in the eighth grade. So leaving middle school. Going into high school, I was already taking classes at University of Miami, um, just like, you know, anatomy and physiology, working on cadavers, uh, biomedical engineering. We was doing all this stuff, working with... Um, typical typical ninth grade stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. 
so I was doing that type of stuff uh, during the summer. And while, you know, other guys was out playing football, that's what I was focused on. I ain't really focused on – I ain't really care about football until my 10th grade, the end of my 10th grade year going into uh, 11th grade when my best friend passed. And uh, it kind of – it kind of – I had got to a point where I had got – like I really ain't talked to nobody. I just kind of kept – stayed to myself. And literally football was the only thing that – actually at that point that I gave me something to focus on uh, other than, you know, the situation with my friend that was like my brother who I seen every day of my life pretty much. So um, once that happened, his situation made me focus on football. And then I kind of like completely forgot about the medical side of everything. I was still in school for it, but um, I didn't care, care about it too much after that. So when did you start getting recruited? Did you play your 10th grade year at Northwestern? Um, so ninth grade, I was on uh, JV, and I moved, got moved up to varsity ninth grade, the end of ninth grade. Got a little, got a couple uh, reps in the game, but that was just sat there. And in 10th grade, I played behind a quarterback called uh, Eldrin, and uh, he was pretty good. And sat behind him, learned the offense, everything, and I didn't really – play and I got some playing time there but I didn't play a start till 11th grade year so when did you start getting recruited I'll say it had to be 11th grade summer even though I didn't play going into um into my 11th grade year I didn't play as much I went to a camp at UM uh one of the elite 11 camp so when I went to the Elite 11 camp, I remember they had this quarterback, uh, D.C. Jefferson, and he was supposed to be the best quarterback that was ever coming out and five-star athlete. And when I seen him, I was like, this dude is huge. Like, he was like 240, uh, 6'5", run probably 4'5", four, 4'6", four, at a time and could sling the rock. And, and I was nobody at the time. Like, I, I didn't have no... Nobody, my coach just had all the faith in me. Uh, coach Perkins, Christopher Perkins. He knew that he had taught me so much that I was going to be the best quarterback there. And we got it, we went into a competition. And by the time the day was over, it was, they put me and uh, DC Jefferson as up against each other. And then we finished the day. And I, I went to Elite 11 out in California. And he did. And that's before you had played or started at Northwestern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's before I had any notoriety. Any then, and then of course you had all the notoriety. It, it came afterwards. <laughs> it came. But it was all because it was all because of the people around me, man. Those people that 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 got me to where I, where I am today. So who so who jumped in the boat next? I mean, like who was the group? Like so who it you was super tight with. So when I committed, I know our. Well, we had talked, I'm, I'm tight with all of them, but when we was talking about it, everybody had different places that they was thinking about going. Like some wanted to go to North Carolina. If they were like, look, if you commit, we'll all commit. If you don't, we all go in different places. So it was all like either going to go to North Carolina, two was going to North Carolina, one was going to Clemson. I think two was going to LSU. Um, and then I, I probably would have went to Oregon. If I didn't come to if I didn't come to Miami, I was going to Oregon. Uh, that was the only other place that Who was I, there. Was that Chip Kelly? Yeah, man. And Chip Kelly had to flew down. And I remember I remember when he came down to UM, he was I mean to Miami. And he was like, look, I'm only here for you and Streeter. That's it. I'm I'm not down here in Florida for nobody else. I came here for you and Streeter. When I fly in, I'm flying right back out. And I was like, all right, cool. And he was serious. He was like, look, I ain't recruiting nobody else but y'all two. I came all the way from <laughs> Seattle. And when he said, I skipped over all these players along the way, but I watched y'all and I know that y'all are fit into my offense. And shoot, he, um, I remember we was talking, we was talking, having a conversation. And we, cause I called my own plays in high school. So he didn't believe that. And uh, when we was having a conversation, he was like, all right implement some of these plays into the offense and see and see if you like them. And I did. And we would go in the game 
And my, my office alignment and running backs would always mess with me. Like, Jacory, man, what you doing, man? Running these Oregon plays and all this. I don't know who you think you is. Like, they <laughs> but they work. It was just like different ways to read um, zone read instead of reading the end. You could read the one technique. It was weird, like how they did different things. They trick plays. I put all that stuff in and all that stuff worked. So um, it was it was a tough, I ain't gonna lie, it was a tough decision um, not choosing them based on I knew for for a fact that if I would have went there, if I was going there, that I was running the offense that I was gonna be used to. And with UM at the time, I committed there based on, you know, Coach Nicks and Coach Shannon telling me that we we're gonna run a spread offense. That's the reason I committed. And of course, I love, ended up loving University of Miami, uh, you know, a couple of years before. But the main reason was because they, they said, hey, look, we're running a spread offense. I got all my guys. What else could I ask for? And then I get there and you look inside the side and you only got two receivers on the field <laughs> and you're in our formation. It's a total difference. Well, you got salvaged the next year, I guess, when Whipple came and then Fish. But, but before, we, before we get into that, how intense did your recruiting get? Like those two years, mm -hmm. how crazy did it get? It was crazy because I, I wanted um, – I actually liked at the time as well LSU uh, based on how they – I don't know. I, you know, we had some guys from Miami, Ali Hosmith, Dwayne Bowe, that I used to watch up there. And I used to always – when we play uh, flag football – not flag football, but touch football in the neighborhood, I thought I was Dwayne Bowe. I would tell everybody that. I'd I'd be sitting up there running. I, I wanted to play receiver so so bad, but I wasn't fast enough. So, but I had the hands, so I would always think I was Dwayne Bow. So, we had a I had a bunch. It was a it was a lot of people that recruited, and I was more. I didn't let it get crazy, if you in a sense, like the teams that I liked knew I liked them, and then the teams that I didn't have interest in, I didn't really communicate with. So it was a handful of teams. I actually started liking um, Boston College because uh, I, I actually took – I met with one of the coaches and I took a visit up there and had the opportunity to meet Matt Ryan and um, talk to him. And and I ended up – I liked the campus. Everything about it was uh, – it was pretty cool. I, don't, I, it's, I know it's kind of crazy to say Boston College, but – Boston College really treated me well, and and from what they was talking and how everything was set up, I, I really liked everything. Boston College, UCF, even though I knew I wasn't going to UCF or Boston College, it's just, you know, the guys that were there doing the recruiting did a good job, and that's what so, it was about, the relationship. So was it really as simple as, hey, Jacory, you go to Miami, we, follow, we all follow suit? That wasn't – it wasn't that simple, but – that's that's really the whole thing because we all wanted to play with each other but really the only place we all had offers from was Miami and I think Alabama we all had offers from so it was like those are the only two options for all of us to go do you think did anyone need some serious convincing uh, I don't think so. Cause I think a lot of the guys wanted to stay home. I got you. Yeah. A lot of the guys, want, I think probably Streeter was probably one of the ones that he was, he was heavily considering South Carolina and Oregon. Uh, but he, he liked South Carolina a lot at the moment at the time. But, um, I don't know. We, um, uh, we made a decision. It was, it, it was good. It was happy. We did. Somebody said you guys should have taken more. We we asked them to take <laughs> we asked them to take all our linebackers, um, all our D linemen, and it was like we got enough of y'all. I remember Coach Barrow, Michael Barrow, we was like, hey, hey, you need to recruit such and such, Vontae, Levante David, and uh and uh Quavon Taylor, but we already got eighty y'all. <laughs> and look at Levante, and look at Levante, he gonna be a Hall of Famer. So hey, should got him too. Should have got him too. So what happened? So you guys, you guys walk on campus as this group. 
Obviously, there was all kinds of notoriety. Everybody knew who you were. As you said, we were here to win a national championship. How were you, how were you, how were you guys received by the locker room when you got there? The guys actually, um, they received us well. You got to also understand, it was coming off of getting beat 48 to zip. So it ain't much you could say to some guys who come in here trying to do their best to help turn the program around. So if they would have said anything, I would have been like, yo, y'all y'all just got beat 48 zip and we was at that game and we still decided to come here. So <laughs> that got to mean something. So <laughs> you you guys won more games at Miami Northwestern and OB than uh, getting whooped like yeah, that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, and, 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 and I respect those guys before us and everything. So I'm like, look, y'all, Nobody ever they that's what I'm saying. Ain't nobody ever gave us no issues or anything. Yeah, they tried, you know, you tried to do all the hazing and stuff, tried to try to get us. But what was so crazy is we had a class of like 33 freshmen. So when they was trying to do all that stuff to us, once we decided, hey, yo, it's more of us than it is of them, it was over. And it was like, all right, the freshmen, <laughs> the freshmen taking over. So was you said there was pressure, or not so much pressure during your recruitment, but did you feel the weight of being the guys that had to turn the program around when you when you got there? Nah, I, to be honest, it it was so much pressure at Northwestern to win. Um, that it wasn't it wasn't no pressure to me because remember, like I said, I didn't really watch UM back in the glory days, and when they were winning all those games, so. I didn't completely understand it. Like I didn't completely, it wasn't something that, uh, cause I knew those guys, you know, through the process of being recruited and, and being from Miami. Uh, I know, you know, you meet all those guys in some way, form or fashion, but I knew of them and, and everything, but I ain't really pay attention to it. So I ain't think it was more pressure than Northwestern. Well, you guys did enough winning, man. Never lost. <laughs> never lost hey when you're playing like that it is we're not losing all right so if you never lost and how tough was it your first year when you lost six <laughs> i wasn't really the starter they ain't they ain't want to make me the starter so it ain't really you know oh, so you was, lost more but you lost more games in miami in two yeah. years than you lost it so what how'd you guys handle that um we really, it, it's, it, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's, I know like my first year, look, I'm going to be honest with you. A lot of things weren't really uh, like, uh, like my freshman year, I, I was just out there having fun. I knew, I guess I thought to me, I, I know things don't, don't supposed to be like this, but I, I came from calling my own plays. So when it, when you get out there and somebody's calling the place for you and then you see on film or on the field, um, you notice differences. Like you're like, okay, Hey, we can make an adjustment here. We could do this. We could do that. And then it's not received the same way. When you, when you relay that message, it kind of gets to the point where it's like, all right, you know what? I'm just going to go out here and have fun. And that's what I did my whole freshman year. I was just out there having fun. I, I, I went through my reads the way I read things, that's the way I um, ran the offense. Instead of, and hey, it sounded like it might be like I was disobedient, but it helped me and it helped us win some games, especially against Duke when we're losing to Duke 17-7. And you put me in and we went 49-24. So we're not supposed to be losing to Duke. And then when we're playing against Virginia and we're losing, and you put me again, put me in again and say, hey, help us win this game. And we come all the way back. I bring us back and we get we go into overtime. And then in overtime, I throw the back shoulder fade out there is for the game. So and I kept doing it my freshman year, but nobody would ever make me the starting quarterback. So I just went along with it and just had fun. All right. So let's get to the bottom. Of it. How was your what was your relationship like with? Robert Marv what was that I like had, I had a good relationship with Marv the crazy thing is I had a good relationship with Marv I don't know if he probably feel the same I 
respected respected him and tried my best all the time. Like when we was out there, like if something was going on, I would be there to like, hey, look, if you see this, do this, do that. And he he didn't like that sometimes. But at the end of the day, I would tell anybody this. Marv was a great quarterback. That dude had a tremendous arm. He was talented as any of the quarterbacks I've ever been around. Um, it's just, you know, other things took over with with his situation. And, and, and it's unfortunate, but he was a that man, I him, Stephen Morris, those guys are like always, I'll tell anybody, those are that's some good quarterbacks. So it sounds like obviously you didn't really like the offense your first year. That's pretty clear. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't I was I was kind of bitter at the fact that they told us we were gonna be in a spread offense and we weren't. Did you ever ask why? Nah. No, because whenever I asked questions, they didn't get received well. It was almost cause, and then I also didn't I didn't at the time I didn't think uh I never could officially know, but I didn't think uh Patrick Nix wanted me as the quarterback. He didn't want me to be playing. He wanted Robert Marr to just be the quarterback. And I understand if that's your quarterback, um, you want him to be the starter, and that's just it. And uh, but Coach Shannon, um, one, I guess he wanted—I don't know who it was—but he wanted us to do the dual quarterback system. So when you find out there's going to be a no, a new OC going into your second year, you think what? No, I was excited. I was excited. I never—I never want to see no coach get fired or anything like that, because uh, he still was an amazing guy um coach Nick's uh so I would never want to see that happen so I was but I was excited to see you know who was going to come in and what what they was going to run and and they came in and ran the same thing so <laughs> the same thing <laughs> came in and we we started off it was it was the same pretty much the same offense pro style offense we yeah we 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 aired it out a little bit more but we still base offense was pro style. And you're wondering, can I get can I get the spread, bro? Can I get three receivers? Yeah, what can yeah. I do? I'm, I'm seeing, I'm watching, I'm watching all my boys like Geno Smith go to West Virginia, go to places where they actually run spread offenses. Mar, um, Jeremiah Masoli. I'm watching all my boys at all these at Oregon, at, at West Virginia, at all these schools running the offense that they were that they grew up in and then and that's what they recruited for and then and you're seeing them ball and putting up crazy numbers Rakeem Cato going to Marshall and they run a spread offense and it's like Rakeem Cato the number one quarterback in college football in pretty much every category right now still to this day so and he's from down here in Miami went to Miami Central so you see those things, you like, dang man, I wish we was doing the same thing. And <laughs> that's what I, that's what we all grew up on down here. So I know, look, man, you you you're. I mean, I I remember when you were at Miami. I was in the locker room with you, got with you, and you were always doing interviews with us on the radio after games, and you put up big numbers, and you always handled yourself so well, and you always just had a great uh, way about you. And now, of course, you, you know you mentioned how, you know, maybe the the light was being. Sh- shed on you but maybe not um the way you thought it would be based on you know the offense you were running or the things you were being asked to do so mm-hmm. do you ever feel like you were mis- the, the 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 way the fans perceived what was going on that it was ever unfair or you were ever underappreciated based on all the the circumstances around everything you've discussed so far uh i could say yes i do but at the same time i'm the same way the fans are so i watch football and it's like you know I watch what's happening in the game. I have I watch only what I can see on TV. Uh, so at the time when I'm watching it, I do. I'm 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 like critical of the quarterbacks, and I'm like, hey man, you should have did this. You should have did that. Talking to myself, and you know, just like how fans are. Uh, so I do understand it from their point of view when you you're out there and hey, I might be someone's favorite quarterback, but I'm a, I, I just threw an interception, and I threw another one, and now all you see is what's being presented to you and you know right then and there but you don't know that I was playing with a a broken thumb for seven weeks you don't know that I was playing uh that 
I wasn't comfortable in something and it was being, it's a, like not no excuses. It's just that now I don't really care too much to be politically correct when it comes to those t- things. I don't like, I don't like holding back. I feel like people should know what was going on. It's true. I don't care. I don't, I don't care to play football ever again. So it's not like I'm burning any bridges. <laughs> so, and I'm not disrespecting anyone. It's just, you know, I'm just speaking the truth. So did that bother you then? You obviously you heard it all, right? Uh, then yeah, it kind of did. But I always knew uh, as a quarterback, that's my job to to take the blunt of everything. And I I think I had brainwashed myself, so it was like it didn't bother me. Like I could throw an interception, it could be the receiver's fault, but I would never throw that receiver under the bus, even though one time a receiver threw me under the bus, and and he was dead wrong about what happened in the play. So when after like looking back at it, he came back and apologized. But it's like, I'm like, nah, man, you know it, it is what it is. That that's not your job. My job as a quarterback is to protect you at all costs. Protect everybody on this team at all costs. We lose the game, it's my fault. We win the game, they're gonna say it's they're gonna say it's because of me. So Whenever, whether it's good or bad, I need to be the one that's going to stand in the front and protect everybody. And I was okay with that. Spence said, I think, I don't know if it was your, the team in 09 or the team in 10. One of those two teams, he's like, man, we were loaded. We should have done better. 09. 09, that first year with Whipple, when nobody knew our plays, when nobody, we were a fresh offense and nobody had really any game plan on us. Um, we were, we were, we were killing it. We was on a roll. And then, um, you know, people started picking up on our plays and picking up on stuff, and we weren't making adjustments at all. We would just run the same thing that we was running day one. And uh, you can't do that in, in, um, in college. But it is what it is. Did you think going from 09 to 10 that there would be another jump? Like, did you yeah, think there was going to be – did you guys think after – the second season, you know, mm-hmm. hey, man, we've been here. It's going into year three. Our group's together. We've recruited other guys. There's a lot of talent here. We're going to – this is going to actually happen. We're going to do what we set out to do. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I did. I did. I honestly went into that year um, because that was the year we played Ohio State up there. And they had um, – I remember they had me and Terrell Pryor up for the high – we was going to be like the preseason Heisman candidates and stuff based on the year previous. Uh, so I went into that year, not gonna lie, I was like, yo, this is my last year. <laughs> I was like, hey, my thumb was messed up the last, the last half of the year. So I don't even count none of those interceptions and stuff that happened the last half of the year. So in my mind, I'm like, all right, Bomb my thumb. I didn't heal. Took eight months for my thumb after surgery for my thumb to finally heal. And uh, and then I ended up because they opened up the quarterback competition again and made me and uh Stephen Morris compete going into training camp. Is and it, I this your junior year? Yeah, junior year. Base and because I was coming off a of thumb thumb surgery. Right. So um and we did that and I won and uh started off good and then it just it's like that year I think because my mindset was already set on hey look I just need to stay healthy and go to the NFL stay healthy and go to the NFL everything that could be bad kept happening I tore my I tore my labrum I uh but I kept playing this stuff stuff that happened that I still played I tore my labrum I um I'm sitting up here. We lose the Ohio State um, with the the interceptions, and um, it was just a it was just a bunch of things just wasn't going my way. Isn't that the year you also got hit that you got knocked out of the Virginia oh, game? Yes, yes, yes. And then I got the concussion that that I was just showing people in the firehouse. Were you? <laughs> yeah, they asked. Uh, they were like, "Hey, man, what was the hardest hit you ever took?" I was going to ask you that had to, I was I mean I was on the sidelines for that game that had to be the hardest hit. It actually wasn't the hardest hit. It just the reason I showed them is because the hardest hit I've ever taken is nowhere to be found. I don't think I have it 
but it's against USF where I wanted to not, I didn't want to quit, but I was done. What year was that? Um, it had to be 2010. I mean, 2009, 2009, my, my sophomore year. We played them towards the end of the year up there, and I think we went. Yeah, because uh, Hankerson was the Hank was the, and um, I remember rolling out, and I'm getting ready to throw the ball to Hank, and I'm rolling to the right, and as I, I see the guy coming, but I, you know, I'm a quarterback, I gotta wait, I wait till my receiver get open. I throw the ball, and I'm running straight to him because I'm on a rollout, and as I throw, he just sticks his helmet. He he never stopped. It's like he. He was like, I don't care if he throw the ball now or later. I'm, I'm hitting him regardless. And his chest, his uh, his helmet went right into my sternum and knocked all the wind out of me. So how hard was it playing for three OCs? It was hard, especially when you get a, a great OC like Coach Fish your last year because me and Fish were on the same page. Um, we would We would meet together and we would talk and come up with things together instead of it being like, okay, we don't want this young kid to have anything, any involvement in the game plan. Like he don't need to know that. Fish was the opposite. Fish was like, shoot, what you think about this? And we'll sit and that's what I love. Cause we'll sit there and just talk football and just be like, Hey, look, you think we could run this against this cover because they do this. Look how that cornerback playing this and talk it to them like that. I never had the opportunity to talk to Whipple or Knicks in that situation. If I would speak to them like that, they'll think I'm trying to take their job or something. And then they'll tell me, you know, and then I, I would get in trouble. So <laughs> I just kept my mouth closed half the time. You mentioned the, the crew, you know, the crew that, that from Northwestern ended up going to Miami. How much, how, how many of those guys did you know growing up? Um, shoot. Growing up. Yeah, like not at Northwest. I'm talking about, you know, middle school, elementary school. I knew like B, the ones like from uh, like Booker T, like B. Harris. And I knew, so let me see, who did I know growing up? I ain't really know too many of them growing up. It was all like hearsay throughout Pop Warner and football and stuff. Where'd like you that. play? I played at, Miami, at, at Northwest Boys and Girls Club. And then, uh, like, Brandon Harris done played at Liberty City, so we played against them. Uh, Kendall Tompkins played at Gwen Cherry uh, Park, so I played against him. But, like, Sean Spence, he played at um, – Sean played at uh, – what's the name? Bunch Park, where Teddy Bridgewater and those guys played. So that's further up north. So we – and then a different – there was in a different league. So I ain't hear too much about Sean. And then, like, Marcus was too big. Terrell, well, Terrell ain't go to you. Uh, B. Wash was probably too big for Optimus. Big Ben was too big for Optimus. <laughs> oh, Streeter. Streeter. I'm like, forgot about Streeter. Streeter, his cousin was married to my cousin, so we was cousins through marriage. So, and we we had grew up playing against each other since we were six years old. So, um, and his family, my dad went to school with his dad. And with Sean the same way, my dad, all our dads went to school together. Did your dad coach coach football? Yeah, he was. Uh, when we was at the West, he was the he was coaching uh, on the defensive side. On the defensive side. So, what's mm-hmm. more intense, Miami North, North, the West and Central, Miami, Florida State, Miami, Florida? What's? Ooh, that's actually a tough one. <laughs> that was actually a tough one because pe- people gonna all they're gonna be like, oh, nah, it's college, but. They don't understand how when we were playing, how intense it was. And those like, games were where at trash, or did you get any of those no, games? Some of them, we had one at trash and one at uh at uh at the Orange Bowl. Packed. Yeah, packed. Well, I had two at the Orange Bowl. Two at the, when I played against Cato and the one Soul against, Bowl, right? Yeah, the Soul Bowl would be with Jackson. Right at the Orange Bowl. Yeah, at the Orange Bowl. But we but against Central, it was uh we played there twice two years in a row, uh, and they'll be packed. It'd be everybody come to see those games. Because the thing that sucked is Central was always good. It's just that they had to play us. So, and they were all in the same. Uh, hadn't changed. Hadn't changed. So hadn't changed yet. So now you see how 
everybody's in different classifications, so everybody's going to state because the, I, I and I think yeah, it should be like that, and we still play each other, but people don't understand like South Florida football is to me better than any anywhere in the country. So when it comes to the state, yeah, you're going to, everybody down in South Florida is going to win state for the most part when it comes to um, going up there playing against, you know, Jacksonville Reigns or, you know, all these different schools up there. It really wasn't no competition at the time. So speaking of the best football in the country, you want to tell me about Marcus Fortson's speech? I think it was the speech when you went up to Dallas and played uh, Texas. South Lake Carroll. Yeah, what, what, was that pregame cry. the night before or was that pregame? When was that? that was pregame and he making everybody cry. Yeah. <laughs> he made everybody cry, man. <laughs> That's the thing because, like, they were really disrespectful in Texas. I don't want to say the other word, but they were, they were really disrespectful. Like, and, and it wasn't – it wasn't – Disrespectful how? So – when it wasn't the fans, it wasn't the fans because the fans wanted us to beat them, which was crazy. We'll be walking around the city and everybody be like, hey, we hope you guys beat them because these guys, that team, they're arrogant. They're this. That, that's what they, what their own fans were saying about them. And then when we got to our hotel rooms, we had magazines on our beds. And on the magazine, they had Riley Dodge, the quarterback, and then two cheerleaders like on the side of them. Like he's just a man. Like like and then it and then the headline instead of talking about football it was um i think it was 16.8 million dollar facility versus free lunch that's what they were saying like and the whole article was about how we were basically poor <laughs> literally the whole article the whole article it wasn't nothing to do with football it was talking about how poor we were this matchup was between the rich and the poor and it was, it was like, dang, like, these people really feel this way? And it was the school that did that. It wasn't the fans, because the fans was all like, look, we want y'all to beat, you, beat them. We've been watching y'all since last year play. And we, we've been ready for a team to come in here and beat them. And it, that game was packed at SMU Stadium. That game was packed. That had, ranking the top, was that ranking? It's got to be in the top moments of your career. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was – that – come second to the Florida State game that I had 2009, 2009 as atmosphere-wise. Like, nothing else came close to, like, being in that atmosphere. We thought we was in college already. <laughs> we yeah. had Mike Irvin, uh, Deion Sanders. Um, I forgot the office alignment that played. Oh, Nate Newton. Newton, for yeah. He was there. All these guys there. It's on ESPN. And we're on – so it's so crazy how you know we kids – we were backed up in the end zone and we we all ran on the field and we had magazines tucked in our in our football <laughs> pants. We had them tucked in our football pants and we was trying to get Dion and Michael Irvin to sign them on during a TV timeout. And it was like, man, what y'all doing? Play the game. And we like, man, we finna beat them, man. We just can we get y'all autograph? And they're like, man, nah, y'all focus on the game, focus on the game. They were so confused. In the middle of the game, we up here. All of us just walking over there trying to get them to sign our uh, autograph, sign an autograph. How's Forson get you guys to cry? Just his story, man, about, you know, that that type of stuff, about that thing, those things that happened to us. And then him speaking about, you know, how all of us grew up and and how it made us hungry and 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 how these moments like this have pretty much propelled us into our careers and. Just him being, that's how he was. He was an inspirational dude. And hearing hearing it come from him, because he was one of the guys that grew up in the poker beans, you know, ain't have everything. So it was like his story, like how he, he like, man, look, for us, this our way out. For them, they could go home to a big six-bedroom house and, and, and eat a steak and lobster tonight and all that stuff. And we don't live like that. We don't live the same lives. And ain't nothing wrong with that. They, they can afford that. But it's just, it made us hungrier to, like, wanting to, you know, succeed in life. So we, were you and Teddy close? Oh, so we were cool. We weren't, we didn't, because he was still playing, uh, even though he was in ninth grade, he was still playing at Bunch Park. 
until I left. So he was there at the school and everything. Like I knew of him and knew he was coming in. But Teddy was, man, Teddy was so athletic. And I just seen him two days ago. Teddy was so athletic. He wanted to play receiver. So that's how he came in as a receiver. And uh, Wayne Times was the one who, who was my backup. He was playing quarterback until they ended up switching in the spring game because Times was like he wanted to go to receiver. They were just joking around doing it, and Teddy balled. And then they – and Times balled, so they just stayed there. But uh, Times was – man, I mean, Teddy was athletic kid, man. Go to receiver, go to safety, he'd go wherever. What do you think happens so if he – what do you think would have happened if he would have followed you? Uh, he a different person, but I, I don't think he would, uh, be honest with you, I don't think he would have wanted to, he didn't want to come because we weren't running spread offense. Cause we had a call. We had conversations speaking about, you know, like, dang, bro, we, don't, we are used to this at Northwestern. So, you know, you probably would want to go somewhere where you're going to run that. So, and he chose the right decision. He made the right decision. I got you. So I know there's some, some sounds like a little bit of frustration over some things at your time at UM, but at the very beginning, you also mentioned how much you appreciate it. So as we kind of wrap this yeah, yeah, up. Yeah. It's, it's no real frustration. I just rather be honest than have people always wonder, oh, what was going on? What was this? Because at the end of the day, whether, whether that stuff was happening or not, I, had the t- I was having the time of my life. I go out and throw 17 picks. I played for the University of Miami. A lot of people wanted to come there, and they couldn't. And I enjoy every moment. I love all the fans. I've had people. It's crazy. But I've had people that have cussed me out on Twitter and talk trash about me. But then we, but and I don't. I don't take none of that to heart. And I end up meeting them in person, and we become the best. Not best of friends, but. Like, hey, what's up, man? I do remember you. I remember your your Twitter name and all. <laughs> like, I've, I've had situations. But you're a, you're a likable guy. You're a friendly guy. You don't seem to have too much like resentment in your heart. Like you always yeah, got a smile I don't take on your things, face. I don't take I don't take that stuff that serious because because I know where taking those type of things serious leads to, and it does it doesn't warrant that. None of those jokes or uh, uh, whatever you say on Twitter about somebody sorry or you throwing interceptions or anything like that. It don't warrant somebody getting mad to the point of something happening. So what's the issue? So that's why I always look at it like, well, dang, you know, in my head, I'm saying that about a dog on a quarterback on TV. So, cause I know not to type nothing like that, but <laughs> in my head, I'm saying it. So I understand. And that's where, you know, I've had that with, with a with a couple fans that I'm actually like cool with, like super cool with. Like I respect now. Like, well, I've been respecting them, but we have a, a great relationship. Last thing, do you remember uh it was Larry Blue Larry Bluestein cover you when you were in high school? Yeah, man. I heard that uh he was having some complications so was, issue. Yeah, I was just wondering, could we give could we give him a little shout out? Yeah, man, you know, he was uh that's crazy. Larry Bluestein was a legend, man. And, uh, you know, he covered all us. And I just want to send um, prayers out to him. I hope everything's going to go well. And uh, he pulled through it. He's a strong guy. And we are here praying for you. And, you know, hope everything worked well for you and your family. And we got you. You're going to get in the coaching? Ah. <sighs> People always tell me that, like, because we'll be around watching football and I'm talking. I'm like, man, they should have did this, this, that, that, that. I start throwing out stuff. <laughs> or I'll be drawing up plays. And they're like, what are you doing? What are you doing being a firefighter? I'm like, I love being a firefighter. And they're like, why you don't want to coach? I was like, because I get the chance to spend time with my family. Like, I could pour, I could pour all this knowledge into someone else's kid. Yeah. But I watched my coaches when they was coaching not spend no time with their family because they would spend all their time with us. And I appreciate it. But I used to watch it. I'm like, y'all need to go home. <laughs> I used to always say that because, 
especially during training camp, man, you see them guys, they got beds in the office, they sleep in there, they there till 12 o'clock, waking up at four to start game planning and doing all this. It's not that it's football not more important than my family. You should say, dude, so, I could have saved you a couple hours of sleep. Just let me call the plays. Hey, I would have let you. You like, oh, <laughs> you got a dinner with the wife, you can see the kids. I'll call the plays. We're good. All right, my man. I appreciate the time. Ja'Cory Harris, thanks for being a guest on Behind the You. Thanks for being honest and refreshing. That's what we like. Thanks for taking yes, us sir. behind your journey. And uh, we wish you nothing but the best. I'm glad we finally got to catch up. Yes, sir. I appreciate it, man. Thank you for everything.